Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me today is a guy who uh, is going to an opening MLS game this weekend, Logan Stump. I'm so excited. Uh, I cannot wait to see the Charleston Battery play. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's the wrong Never mind. No, no. that's the wrong one. Orlando yeah. City, baby. Debut. Against the team we're going to be playing, uh, that we're going to be talking about today as well, uh, the Red Bulls. So this is our season preview. This is our 167th episode. That's quite a number. That is, uh, it's getting up there. We'll we'll finish the season past 200, amazingly. That's a lot of time you, you and I spending together. Um, you know, Too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not to mention that some of those episodes aren't even counted in our in our episode count because Ted Lasso is not counted. Yeah, the one yesterday. Ones. Yeah, uh, the, ones the, yesterday. Yeah, let's plug that, I guess. Right, let's, let's plug that it. real quick. Uh, so yesterday, we recorded a YouTube exclusive i mean a video exclusive you can find on facebook and our twitter as well but it was a kit ranking kit ratings of the 2023 new mls jerseys um people are talking up these jerseys a lot we're not going to spoil what we thought of them here go ahead and watch the video uh on youtube or whatever and uh we rated them on a scale of we had a four-tier scale here, and it was buy it now, uh, wait for Ross, not a person, but the store, and then we had uh, do not like it, like don't buy, and then we had burn it, which I think only two maybe got burn it. We'll see. But yeah, so that's what will be. Uh, you can catch all that action over there. Okay. So today we are previewing the Red Bulls, NYCFC, DC United, the Revolution, and the Philadelphia Union. And Logan, tell us who we have joining us today for the Philadelphia Union preview. Yeah, so our friend Todd is coming over from the Free Kick Pod. So I'm excited to talk to Todd because we haven't gotten to talk to him for a little bit. So uh, I'm excited to talk all things Union. I'm glad I get somebody else in to talk about Union other than Jordan. So that'll be a lot of excitement um, just because I think Jordan is very realistic when it comes to uh, the Union, a little bit uh, more to the detriment of the Philadelphia Union. I think there's times where Jordan's a little bit, I don't know, I, you know, Todd might be the same, but I, I think Jordan's a little bit more, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say pessimistic. I, I would have say to be. Realistic. I have to be. <laughs> I have to be because, like, I'm not used to good things. Yeah. You know? So I, get that. I, I get like that. to like set my expectations a little bit with, you know, I, I'm not actually a big fan of the union being like favorites. Like I see everybody picking them right now and I'm like, stop it. Just stop that. Right. It's like the same thing when I watch like, you know, like pregame of like an NFL game and like everybody is picking the Ravens to win. And I'm like, no, don't do that. We're going to lose now. Like, why are you doing that to me? Um, I don't know. I like the role of the underdog, I think, more than the role of the uh, the like expected giant, which is what the Union are, are becoming in the East, as we've talked about, a weak East. Um, we'll get Todd's opinions on the East as well, if he sees them as being as, as weak as what we have. But, you know, you were just saying you haven't spoken to him for a long time. I'm not going to brag, but I get to speak with Todd pretty frequently. 
frequently. We just talked at MLS Cup uh, watch party. And also we DM back and forth. So humble brag for a guy that got to have Alexi Lawless on his podcast and got to have Jim Curtin on his podcast. So if you haven't listened to the free kick pod, you're going to want to check that out for sure. Um, Lots of good stuff when he went to the coaches uh, convention. So lots of good episodes there, but yeah, so that's who we're going to be previewing today. Lots of good stuff there. So we have a few minutes before Todd joins us, Logan. So let's let's uh, knock out one of these teams. What team do you want to start with here before we before we jump with Todd? You're muted, Logan. Uh, yeah. Um, no, let's go with yeah. I was like, it was tucked in behind my other tab, and I couldn't get to it quick enough. Uh, let's start with you know what? Let's go DC United, just because I feel like the other ones are a little bit more. Yes, DC United head coach Wayne Rooney. They had a huge season last year. They won a trophy, Logan. They got the wooden spoon, 27 points, seven wins last year. And uh, not to dunk on them, but the Union scored like uh, 13, 14 goals on them <laughs> last year in two games. Uh, we had like a 7 nil and a 6 nil. Oh, yeah, you have it in the notes. Thank you. A 7 nil and a 6 nil win that, that the Union had over there. Uh, but, yeah, seven just seven wins for them. Losada was fired after just six games into the season. And then we had an interim coach, Chad Ashton, for a bit. And then they were like, never mind, get Wayne Rooney midsummer. And they also started to sell. They sold Julian Gressel to Vancouver. Edison Flores went to Liga Mekis Atlas. Um, and then they brought in Christian Benteke, who was a big signing, random signing. And uh, their their defense was atrocious. Taxi Fountas came into the team and had 12 goals. Um, really the only highlight of the season. But they also lost a lot in the offseason now. They lose Brad Smith, David Ochoa, who wasn't a big loss, really. Rafael Romo, Hamid, Bill Hamid's gone. Ola Kamara is gone. Michael Estrada is gone. But they do bring in, I think, some pretty good players. They bring in Derek Williams, center back. They bring in Klitsch from Leeds, uh, who is coming in. Ruan coming in as right back. Tyler Miller from Minnesota United, Pedro Santos coming from the crew. Revel Morrison is coming over from Derby again. Alex Bono coming from Toronto and Moanad Jais left back from Hammurabi. I probably butcher that. And I apologize if he is listening to this episode. Uh, so Logan, you're just your thoughts on the uh, uh, the differences between the departures and additions. I think they brought in some pretty good players. They still lost some pretty good players, but that's my vibe. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit as far as like a wooden spoon uh, champion. I guess we we I love that they always talk about like, did you really deserve or win the the wooden spoon, or did you just fall into it? So I guess uh, you were lucky enough to fall into it, DC United, and I think. Oh, um, I think they deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Aaron Lasada did not like. He 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 thought they shouldn't give his players spoons because they're all overweight and he can't eat. But yeah, uh, I think that was, that was, that was harsh. That was the thing, but I, I really like what they've done in the off season, Jordan. They brought in a lot of you know, MLS experienced players. 
And I think we've talked about this multiple times. Um, you and I are a big proponent of uh, MLS specific players coming into another team just because MLS is a different kind of league. Uh, I think the physicality, um, the pace of play and everything else is different from that of uh, the European countries, um, even you know, the African or Asian country, or, uh, countries as well. So, you know, I look at this roster. I love the Wuhan um, just because the Orlando City connection. Uh, but I do think that he's a pretty decent right back that you bring in. Uh, Mohanad Jais uh, from uh, Hammerby, I think, is a really good move. Uh, they kind of have to tighten up that defense. Derek Williams was just – he was never really anything everywhere he's been. I know he was with the Galaxy last, and he's just never kind of fallen into form with any of the teams that he's been with. So, you know, I, I don't think they've gotten exponentially better, but I think, uh, you know, a, a step in progress is is better than nothing. But, you know, I, I like the Pedro Santos move. Um, I think Tyler Miller's a, a decent starter in this league, um, you know, as far as a goalkeeper is concerned. But, again, I, I think the biggest signing was Wayne Rooney last year. I think ultimately you saw what he did with Darby over in England. I think that he can kind of do the same thing uh, and kind of make them a competitive team. And I think with Taxi up front and some of those guys coming in on the wing, um, I think this team is a formidable opponent in the East, which is pretty weak, and there's huge question marks all around the East. So I think D.C. did what they needed to do to get off the bottom. Yeah, that's probably their biggest plus, right, is that there is so much up in the air with the East that D.C., if they put it all together, if the Rooney magic continues, like when he first got hired, he you know had some huge wins and then it kind of fell back off a bit for him. Uh, But he's into the season and they're not like tired of it, then that'll be good. Taxi Fountas has to be kind of back at what he was last year. Probably even better. I think think he'll probably score more than 12 goals um, in a full season for them. But it's all about, you know, these players, the ones that are not familiar with MLS, them coming over and getting used to it but i like that they added a lot of mls pieces i think that's kind of a huge thing that you have to do i think benteke can score in this league i think their biggest issue is going to be the defense and uh you know making that better because they were like i don't have the numbers in in front of me here but they were awful (laughs) in the defense how many goals did they give up logan do you have that 71. Yeah, 71 goals, yeah. 71 goals. That's got to be like a record. Um, But yeah, so looking ahead to 2023, I think that they brought in a lot of quality pieces, but I don't know how high that puts them up the table, and we'll talk about that on the next um, episode that we're doing midweek. I already locked in my predictions, so those are locked in. And... uh I don't know, a successful season for this club, if we transition there quickly, is what? what is your vibe for D.C.? I would say probably not Wooden Spoon. And to, if there's nine playoff spots, just be competitive throughout the season for the ninth one. But I ultimately don't think they'll probably get there. Yeah, I was going to say press for that nine spot, but I doubt they get there. Uh Anything 10 and above would be a really successful year, I think, for D.C., just based off of what everything they're dealing with. Um, I don't I don't suspect Wayne Rooney's going to be there much longer than, uh, you know, a couple of years, to be honest with you. Yeah. I could see him, you know, even if he had success this year, I could totally see. If if the job comes up, Wayne Rooney's gone. 
Uh, and I think that's the big thing with DC United, which is kind of sucky because it's, you know, there's no stability. There's no identity right now with this team. And I think, you know, this is a, this is of course a piecing together of MLS veterans plus the bat or uh, Mateus Klich. And I, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of veteran players, guys that they rely on need to, to be healthy. Um, so I don't know. I, I think a successful year is pushing towards that ninth spot. If that's what we're going to get to with playoffs. All right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So what we're going to do now is transition here to the Philadelphia Union. So from the bottom of the bottom of the East to the top of the East here, the Philadelphia Union. And we're going to welcome in Todd Lewis from the Free Kick. How are you, Tay Todd? I'm great. How are you, uh, Jordan and Logan? It's uh, it's great to be back on the podcast. Long time no see, Jordan. Uh, listening to you there, Logan, saying how you haven't spoken to me in a while. And now here we are, Logan. So it, it's, it's great to be back on the podcast. And this time, I know last time you guys had me on, had some trouble connecting <laughs> to how you guys record. No trouble this time. And so we're going to have a fantastic episode. I know it. Yeah, you said you worked that out uh, on a bigger podcast. You made sure it worked on that one, right? Is uh, <laughs> a sl- slightly Kevin bigger King. podcast, <laughs> slightly. Um, I like the Charmander behind you, by the way. If you're yeah. watching the video uh, podcast here, Good but eye. yeah, but Todd, I, I'm just glad you're you're here. And you know, last time I saw you in person, we were even though we're like probably five minutes away from each other in real life. But uh, in person, we were at the MLS Cup viewing party going through a a swell of emotions um, as the game went back and forth. And, you know, we were talking a lot pregame about the vibe. I guaranteed a win, so I'm sorry for that. But uh, just, I guess, reflecting on last year, because I was on your show, before MLS cup final yeah. as well. Right. Uh, you did like a call in show. Yeah. And I was, I think one of the ones that said it was still a successful season, even if we didn't win MLS cup. So I wanted to get your vibe on how successful last year was without winning it. And, um, you know, falling a point short of the supporter shield. Yeah. 100%. I mean, it's successful season. And I, I even, <laughs> You talked about a little bit how I was at the United Soccer Coaches Convention uh, in Philadelphia in January. And yeah, I was asking some of my guests, well, do they consider 2022 a successful season? And everybody said, yeah. And why, why shouldn't it have been? I mean, we've seen every single year the union take a step closer to getting to MLS Cup. They finally get there in 2022. They don't win it. Do they get there and take the next step, get back to MLS Cup, and now ultimately win it in 2023? I don't know. I mean, every single year, they're taking a step closer and closer. So maybe it does happen, and I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, 2022 was fantastic. Seeing this, uh, the, the club score 72 goals, I believe it was, you know, uh, I feel like the season was literally uh, a few weeks ago, and it's like, I already just erased all that out of my mind, getting ready for the 2023 season. But I mean, just, you, you know, Jordan, all, all the records, the union broke, uh, seeing after Twitter, Oh, the Philadelphia union broke this record. Oh, the Philadelphia union broke this record. I mean, it, it didn't matter who the union were playing and yet helps that they beat DC United by 13 goals on aggregate, uh, in 2022. So that's going to help, uh, pad your numbers a little bit, but it seems like 
every single game, the Union were breaking some kind of record. And the only way 2022 would have got better is if the Philadelphia Union would have won MLS Cup. And they, they, they don't get there. But look, let's talk about the final real quick, right? The Union go down in that game, 1-0. And you were at the stadium, like you mentioned, with myself. Mm -hmm. And the vibe in that place, like, nobody was down. Like, yeah, when we gave up that goal, I think it took the sting out of the air a little bit. But then people were, like, still excited because the Union were creating chances. The, the Union, even though they didn't get a goal there in the first half, they were still in that game, very much so. And then they come out in the second half, score a goal right away with Daniel Gazag. Jose Martinez uh, <laughs> gets a lucky assist, takes that long-range shot. That shot was completely off target. And luckily, the ball falls right to Daniel Gazag. And a player that got snubbed for the MVP voting last year, does what he does best, putting the ball in the back of the net. And then the Union go down again with like 10 minutes left in the game. And they find a way again to tie the game up. And then we get into extra time. They, they take the lead. And that place, Subaru Park, erupted. I mean, yeah. people were running around on the field, hugging. You, you saw people crying. I mean, so many emotions there for the three minutes that the Union were ahead. And then one minute to go a player that shall not be named that recently <laughs> retired. That's turning into a pro golfer. We've seen this way too many times uh, in his career. He kills all your hope and uh, the rest is history, but uh, a fantastic season for the Philadelphia union. Uh, seeing Julian Kranza, who let's face it. I, I think when you had me on the show, we, we talked about Julian last year. W what kind of player are we going to get? The, the biggest thing about Julian was, okay, he, he's a defensive striker. He's going to work his butt off defensively, but he didn't add the goals in Miami. Mm -hmm. That's why Miami moved in, uh, moved on from him. He scored 14 goals last season for the Union. We saw this preseason, Julian again, continuing to score goals. And so to see that front three, Daniel Gazag, Mikhail Ua, and Julian Kranza have a full preseason together and just continue to work on that chemistry, I, I think that's only going to help the Union. And uh, seeing the team break that defensive uh, goals against record with 26 goals uh, against, I mean, that's unreal, right? And it could have been a lot lower, too, if they didn't lose 4-0 to Charlotte towards the end of the season. But uh, what a season it was for the Union. And, again, I'll, I'll get some fans that will say to me, well, yeah, they should have went for it in the U.S. Open Cup. They, they could have beat Orlando if they wouldn't have played the B squad. But, look, uh, they, they, they wanted to get a point in L.A. when they played that A squad. So would you rather mm -hmm. have got destroyed in L.A. playing your B squad or going for it in the U.S. Open Cup? A lot of people would probably say, yeah, we want to go for the U.S. Open Cup. It doesn't happen. Orlando win uh, the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, clear favorites, I think, uh, throughout that tournament. And they're going to be favorites again coming up in 2023, which shall uh, make Logan pretty happy, and especially <laughs> with all the pieces uh, they, they brought in uh, very, very high on Orlando this season. But, yeah, what, what, what a fantastic season for the Union. Would have been better if they – would have won a trophy, but still, you can't be disappointed if you're a Union fan. You know, I got a lot of crap on uh, YouTube, by the way. <laughs> I knew this was coming. Because I posted, so I posted this video of my time at the MLS Cup watch party. And I, of course, only recorded the reactions to our goals, to the, <laughs> to the Union's goals. And I had so many LA fans ripping me, saying, why did I leave out the best parts? One... <laughs> What am I going to film? Like by the time that I would take out my camera and film the reaction of an LA goal where there's no dupe, it yeah. would be silence. Yeah. And then they almost immediately went back into chanting. So it would have not been 
good anyway. But also, when I'm watching my team get scored on, my first instinct isn't, all right, let's let's video this. The way that I was trying to grab the atmosphere of Subaru Park, um, you know, but I had a lot of them ask, how was it there when LA scored? That That first goal, I think, almost took more sting out of the air than than any of the other goals because it looked uh, we didn't really look great in the at, at times there and then like LA scored kind of early it was like 30 minutes in right it, it was pretty early in the game and then we're like great now we have a mountain to climb we have to come back in this game but uh they almost immediately go back in the chanting even the Gareth Bale goal i i think stung more for me obviously but i think the place didn't give up like we had already seen us come back a few times in that game where they were immediately chanting again and having a good time so i wish i kind of had gotten it on camera for for that reaction but um yeah and that video took off for some reason it's got like a thousand or two thousand views and um a lot of la fans have jumped into those comments so thanks la fans <laughs> I think it's a hundred percent LA fans. Like it's, I, I don't it's think any union friend. fans were like, this was great. Like no. it was all LA no. people. I guess that's the curiosity, right? As an LA it fan is. where you're like, oh, I want to see sad. how the other place handled it. Right. Is I want to see them suffer, but I didn't give them the satisfaction of that. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned it 72 goals. That's one more than DC United gave up all year. So that was a huge <laughs> huge season they gave up only 26 and did not lose at home so that's where it comes down to if we could have hosted that game we might have won that right like that's what we would think because we did not lose at all um there i mean we didn't lose the final either it went to penalties so technically it was yeah, a draw but... a lot. again <laughs> back-to-back draws in la because we drew all earlier yes. in the season yeah, but you know the penalties is what really sucked it out of the the sucked the air out. I think is because they were so badly taken, um, and we didn't make one for like. Well, I think we made the second one right, but then nah, we, missed, we didn't make a single penalty. We didn't make a single one. That's right. See, I blocked that out. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, I, I tried not. to, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so departures that we had here, Paxton Aronson, Matt Fries, and Corey Burke. I would assume you think maybe Corey Burke's the biggest loss out of those three, but Paxton didn't get a lot of time because he was kind of blocked by an MVP candidate in, in Gazdag, and uh, it was probably time for him to move on anyway. I felt like some of our young guys haven't had the opportunities a lot last year because we were pushing on a supporter shield run and an MLS cup run. But out of those three, who is the biggest loss on this squad going into 2023? Man, it's not even a play you mentioned. It's uh, 100% Cole Turner, Harper County's own. I mean, <laughs> that's the biggest loss right there. In who, our hearts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who else am I going to get excited for that's like 15 minutes away from us? I mean, come on. Now, now what? I got to cheer for Loudon United? No way. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> In, in, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, Corey Burke. I mean, you look, uh, I did a podcast on this yesterday. I don't know, depending on when this is coming out. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I talked about how Corey Burke played the 13th most minutes on the club. And that's a significant 
amount of minutes that the club now needs to place. And then you add in that Corey Burke had seven goals on this season where you talked about Paxson Aronson, where Paxson only played about 430 minutes on the season. So he didn't play a ton. I mean, we saw Paxson Aronson get subbed on quite a bit. 23 games he appeared in last season, only scored one goal against Cincinnati, which Cincinnati fans are probably happy that Paxson's gone since he's a uh, Cincinnati killer. It seems like anytime Paxson played against Cincinnati, he scored. But yeah, I mean, we're really not losing a lot in Paxson Aronson. And now the question becomes, and I wrote about this too on my website, where where are the goals going to come from? You, you know that you're going to get goals from Julian Kranza, from Mikhail Uwe, and Daniel Gazdag. But after him, after them, who, who's going to bring in the goals? We saw Alejandro Bedoya have a career year last season by scoring six goals. And then you had Corey Burke, seven goals. And then you trickle in a goal here from Jack Elliott, a goal here from X player. So, where are the goals going to come from? That, that that's my that's my question. And yeah, they, they bring in Joaquin Torres, Andres Pereira, Pereira, who is a Union killer. So I'm glad that the Union don't have to face him anymore. But Joaquin Torres isn't really a proven goal scorer. I think he scored seven goals in two seasons with Montreal, uh, and where Corey Burke scored seven goals in one season with the Union. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting for you, the Union how they replace Corey Burke. Uh, Chris Donovan, who I guess is their backup striker, their third striker to Mikel and Julian, what's he going to do? I mean, he spent some of the season with Union 2, impressed so much with them, gets a first-team contract, and didn't play a whole lot with Union. We saw him in the final against yeah, LAFC. That was I a mean, puzzling That was a puzzling move. <laughs> they, 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 they had to bring him on for Corey Burke, um, getting injured by Crepeau, uh yeah. when uh, he takes him out on that challenge, he gets a red card, and I, I think Union fans should have known once <laughs> once LAFC get that red card that, that they were doomed, because anytime the Union play against a team that's at 10 men, the Union just completely suck and so well, maybe it would have been best <laughs> not just that though but mccarthy coming in and i was telling everyone that was sitting with me that we needed to win it in normal time because i remember mccarthy being really good at penalties, penalties yeah, we and saw i was like we cannot Bulls. face this guy in penalties and i was unfortunately right yeah yeah yeah. we don't have to talk about that game anymore <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean, the, the the biggest question is how do you replace Corey burke and uh, they have Jose Riasco, who they signed last year to an, uh, $4 million out of Venezuela. Uh, he spent the whole season with uh, Union 2. You don't spend a million dollars on a guy just to keep him with your second team. Obviously, this guy's going to make his first team debut eventually, you would think, with Union. Because uh, when we think about it, too, Ernst Tenner last season signed Julian Carranza, Mikhail Ua, Chris Donovan, and then he goes to Jay Sugarman and says, hey, I know we already brought in three strikers. Uh, can we get a fourth one? And how many owners are going to say, okay, uh, I'll let you bring in a fourth striker when you've already brought in three? And on top of that, a million dollars, which I know doesn't sound like a lot to a lot of teams. But for the union, that's one of the highest paid transfer fees. And he spent the whole season with union too. And I get that because he has to get used. It's his first time out of Venezuela. He has to get used to living in America get used to playing in America and you hope that he can eventually make his debut 
sometime this season with Union. Maybe he does add a couple goals, and that replaces what Corey Burke brought to the club. Maybe Chris Donovan's that guy. Uh, asking Ali Bedoya to score six goals again, I think, is asking a lot. We never got a Kai Wagner or Jacob Glissens goal last season, so, I mean, they're due, right? And Jose Martinez is yet to score a goal with the Union. I mean, he's got to be due too, right? So I think they do have pieces that can make up for the loss of Corey Burke, but without a doubt, Corey Burke is the biggest hole this team has. So with the union, I mean, I, I we talked about this at length all the time whenever we were last year, especially just because of how good they were. Um, and I was, I mean, I was banging the union drum all year. Like this team is really good. Jordan and I talked about how they're oftentimes ignored, which is really shocking to me just because of how good and consistent they've been over the last couple of years. But like Todd, if you're looking at this team, I mean, is there really, I, I, I have a hard time as, uh, you know, trying to be a neutral person on this, you know, I have a team that I favor that is in the East, but I look at their roster, there aren't any weaknesses. Like it seems like from top to bottom and now they've added depth. Like, is there anywhere that this team, I mean, I, I just don't see where this team can really kind of improve on. I think they just need to stay away from regression. And like, I don't know if I'm wrong, but it, Tell the fans what's makes this team. I guess what makes this team so special and and really just doesn't, they don't have a weakness. It doesn't seem. Yeah, I would argue. I mean, the only weakness we just talked about it not having Corey Burke, having that proven goal scorer come off the bench. Uh, that that would be the only weakness for me. But as you mentioned, I mean, they brought in three players this season that have MLS experience, which is huge. Because mind you, and I hate to keep bringing up LAFC, but what did LAFC do last season? that eventually won them the MLS Cup. They brought in MLS players. And I think MLS experience is so underrated in this league. And somehow the union were able to go out there, get three players that would be starters in other clubs, especially Joaquin Torres with Mihailovic getting sold. He was for sure in line to be the number 10 for Montreal, but they get an offer that they felt was good. And you bring in a new coach in Hanan Lasada where, okay, he's going to want to bring in his guys. So maybe it's a little bit easier to move on from a player like him. And Montreal's loss is the Philadelphia Union's game. And weaknesses, like I said, just not having that proven goal scorer, I think. But the, the Union should be fine. I, I really do think they should be fine. And you, you look at what makes this team special. I think the number one thing is having this team be together for the last five, four seasons. I mean, that that is so undervalued where they don't need to learn a new system. They don't need to learn chemistry with one another because they ran it back the last four to five seasons. And so that's money can't buy that, the, the, the chemistry between each other. And so having the core group of players here already playing under Jim Curtin, no, nothing's changed. The, the, the coaching staff has not changed. It's the same coaching staff from last season. Uh, yeah, having Pat Noonan leave to go to Cincinnati, I think was a little bit of a blow for the union because we saw what Pat did with Cincinnati. And I remember talking with Cincinnati fans, telling them when I went out to the stadium, like, you guys are going to love Pat Noonan. He's a fantastic coach. And like, eh, I'm, I'm not sold on him yet. And what makes Pat special? And I think Cincinnati fans got to see what makes Pat Noonan special last season, getting the team into the playoffs, winning a playoff game in the first time in the playoffs. And now you add... They're bringing back a core group of their players. So I think losing Pat Noonan, the union had to adjust to a tactical mastermind that Pat Noonan is. 
But as the season got on, you know, I think the coaching staff learned the roles and everything. And just that that chemistry that the team continues to build with each other. uh, I think that's just invaluable. Yeah, I mean, since he also played a hell of a game against us. uh, (laughs) They did. In in the playoff game. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to ask you about Ernst Tanner here because you mentioned signing like three MLS-based players, which was kind of like a first where we kind of didn't go outside to grab like any of these players. Um, what What is it that made, like last year was really the first year where he kind of started looking at players that are already in MLS. What do you think made the switch happen for Ernst Tanner? Was it like, afraid of some of the misses we've had misses we've had players that haven't even really seen the field with us and we had to sell them back right um so what do you think it was last year that made him go get carranza and then this year look and say i need to get some more of these mls-based players already you you just answered the question right there julian carranza 100 has to be the reason why ernst Tanner felt comfortable going at mls players i mean 14 goals last season when he couldn't find the back of the net in Miami. I mean, obviously, he was a talented player, talented enough that Miami felt comfortable signing him. But for whatever reason, actually, I think we all know the reasons how uh, dysfunctional Miami was when they first joined the league. Uh, when you go through multiple coaching changes, front office changes, uh, bringing in superstars, not really a team. 10 which DPs. Now we're seeing, yeah. <laughs> and now, now we're seeing Miami actually become a team and not rely on a superstar. And that's the recipe for a success because that's how the union operate. But I think really seeing Julian Kranza thrive in the union system gave Ernst Tenner the confidence to go out and say, look, if we have the opportunity to sign more MLS players, maybe not as free agents, but if we can trade for them, we're comfortable doing that. The union had a ton of gam and, you know, I think that's the one thing that fans, media members alike hate about this league, where how it just seems like it's so closed, where they're not transparent. So we don't know how much money the union really have to spend in GAM in 2023 because they got GAM from selling Pax and Aronson to Frankfurt. And I think you can allocate $1.2 million here, uh, GAM budget. We don't know if the union put 1.2 million of that to the 2023 budget or not. They get GAM for Matt Freeze. They get GAM for uh, Ben Martino, who was a goalkeeper out of their academy, who's never played for the first team because he played at Virginia Tech, I believe it is. And Nashville needed a backup goalkeeper, and they said, we think this guy's talented. We'll give you $50,000 in GAM. And so the union found ways to add GAM, and you're not going to just let that sit there. And so I guess Ernst Tanner and the front office identified some players that they felt comfortable if they can get them at a good deal. Let's bring them into Philadelphia. Andres Perea is a fantastic player. I'm super excited to see him thrive in this Philadelphia Union team. And I asked Jim Curtin about this a couple times because as Logan knows, Orlando City played with two sixes. They play with those two holding midfielders and the Union don't do that. So can Andres play as one of the two shuttlers? I think he can. I think he's talented enough. I think he has the stamina, the passing ability, surely, to do it. Offensively, I think he's a little bit more advanced than Leon Flock. Maybe you don't want to have Leon Flock and Andres on the field at the same time being your two shuttlers because both players are defensive-minded. Uh, I think there's going to be times where the Union play 3-5-2, Jim Curtin mentioned it, where you can play with those two sixes. And so, again, 
Andres thrived in that system in Orlando, but Orlando had a lot of depth in that in that spot, and so they were comfortable moving on from him. And now let's see if he's going to be the union's gain. Uh, Joaquin Torres, Jim Curtin said it so many times this season already in the press conferences that they haven't had a dribbler like Joaquin since El Senior retired from the team. And so you bring in a player that can draw attention of two to three players. We saw it happen multiple times with El Senior. Now that's going to leave Julian Kranza, Mikhail Uwar, Daniel Gazlag in 1v1 situations against center backs, against defensive midfielders. And my money's on those three to get the best of center backs and defensive midfielders. And so if you can get them in situations where it's easy for them to score because Joaquin Torres is drawing the attention of two to three players. I think that's going to help this team tremendously. And you, you add in a player like Quinn Sullivan, you mentioned didn't really see a lot of minutes with the homegrown players. Well, now maybe there's going to be opportunities for Quinn Sullivan to break into this team where they only have three strikers. And I know Quinn's not a striker, but you, you throw him up top there and everything. And, Maybe he gets free and everything. He's a clever player. He knows how to make clever runs. And so if Joaquin Torres can draw that attention of two to three players, find an open Quinn Sullivan. Yeah, we, we can see Quinn Sullivan add some goals uh, this season. And then Damian Lowe. Uh, this is a player that I wasn't high on watching Miami last season. I mean, I, I will admit that he was Miami's best defender. I think that's clear. But that's not saying much when you look at Miami defensively. And right. Miami very much so felt confident that, hey, look, we, we can move on from Damien, and they had a center back in mind. We saw them sign a center back from uh, Shakhtar Dignes in Ukraine. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name again. I already tried once on my show, probably got it horribly wrong, and <laughs> I know you made the joke. Join the club, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, where you're like, oh, hopefully this player for DC United is not listening because I'm sure I got his name uh, completely wrong, and I, I appreciate you, Jordan, at least giving it a stab, trying to say the names, because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to try this name at all like I'm doing now. But Damian Lowe, I mean, he clicks all the boxes that the Union won in their center backs, where they're good in the air, where they block shots, where they're good at intercepting, where they're good at tackling. And I've written an article about this maybe a month ago uh, on Damian Lowe, just looking at his numbers, and it's like, no wonder the union were interested in him because he clicks all those underlying numbers that the union look for in their center backs. And so are we asking these three players to be starters? No, we're asking them to be depth pieces. And I think that's going to be zero pressure on them where in Montreal, maybe it's a little bit of pressure for Joaquin to take the, the keys and mm. replace Mihailovic, which is a tough ask. And now he's not asked to do that in Philadelphia the union clearly saw something in him where they felt comfortable bringing him in. So there should be no pressure on walking tours. Damian Lowe, again, no pressure on him. He's not expected to be the man like he was in Miami. And so I think all three players are going to be great additions by the union. And uh, with up to 55 games, uh, th these players are going to get plenty of opportunities this season for the union. Yeah, I think you make a great point. I, and just, I'm always fascinated with this, uh, just this whole club in general and how it's operated and how scouting must go and the underlying numbers in their stats department must be phenomenal just because it seems like the union know when it's time to move on or at least ramp up to get ready to move on. Because I always feel like the union have that, that backup plan. Like you said, Andres Perea, I think is fantastic. I think it's a, you know, it's, it was never a situation 
that was good enough for him here in Orlando because I think he doesn't play to their style. Like you said, they they like the two holding sixes. They like to, you know, really muddy things up in the midfield. And Perea was good with that, but he also was great at shuttling the ball back and forth. I mean, he's great from box to box. He really does like to join the attack, but they didn't really need that with Pereira out there. So it's like, okay, well, let's move on. And I think the union just do a really good job of, I mean, in my time that I've now covered the league, uh, Montero was there. They decide to move on with the Quakes. He's kind of just a shell of himself. Uh, you go with Chabelko, and Chicago has probably one of the worst teams in the league now, and he's not done anything there. So it feels like the Union just know. And then they grab these guys like Julian Carranza, who was supposed to be great for Miami. Miami didn't know what to do with him, so they move him on, ship him out. And the Union just look like they collect these pieces, turn them into diamonds in the rough, and then they go and just sell them if they really want to, and they're going to get money. It just seems like this is so – I guess the the machine is well oiled and there's really nothing else that I think the union do that just, uh, it just, it's the model club. I always felt that way as kind of an outsider, not a fan of the the club itself. Yeah. And the, the the union have this really interesting model where they call call it PUV, which stands for Philadelphia union value. And the athletic had a really good write up on this uh, a few months ago where PUV, what that is, is, the union's analytic department is so advanced where they scout these players and and pub. They look for players that are going to fit into the style of play for the union. They don't look at those players characteristics. They look at, can they fit into this Philadelphia union system? How are they going to be in the locker room? Every single player that Ernst Tenner has signed has been fantastic for the locker room. That's the number one thing he looks for is, is this player going to disrupt my locker room? If he is, we're not going to sign him. Ernst Tanner talked about that in the uh, United Soccer Coaches Convention where, you know, there's been players in the past where they've had the chance to sign players. And he's like, well, this is like your fifth or sixth club that you're about to be on. Why is that? And it turns to be an attitude issue. We don't want that. Uh, we, we saw some attitude issues with Anthony Fontana, uh, which I probably shouldn't have named him, but I named him in uh, 2020. And the union don't resign him. He, he goes to Italy and he's now out of Italy. It didn't work yep. out for him. Uh, Jamiro Montero, there is a dust up in the locker room uh, between him and Kai Wagner and Ernst Tanner. And then the whole rumor saying, oh, Jamiro Montero is getting shopped and everything. And then the offseason, the union don't really get any offers. So, okay, well, we're going to get him out of our locker room. We shipped him off to San Jose, and now he's at San Jose. Um, and so you're right, Logan. I mean, when the union know it's time to move on from a player, they move on. And having pub, identifying players that can thrive in the union system, that are going to be good in the locker room, that are family guys, I think more clubs should follow that model. Not, okay, look at this player for his talent. Look at how this player can fit into my team, which I'm sure teams do, but they don't do it as in-depth as the Philadelphia Union do. That's why I, I mean, I told Jordan this all the time. I would love Jim Curtin to take the U.S. home just because it's like it, it's that it's that um, it's the, the ability to change. And Jordan talks about this a ton. He goes, I hate when teams go out and Jordan's a big proponent of it. I hate when teams go out and just get guys to get guys and don't have any idea what the system is. He goes, I hate that we're in this mindset where we have to change the system just based off of this idea and we don't fit it to the player's best ability. So like, for instance, Greg Berhalter playing the 4-3-3 and really just kind of just not really getting it to fit with the players that he really needs and, and he has. But I think Jordan speaks more to that than I do, but he's, he has been. He's, I think it's the union, the, the union blood that runs through him just because it seems that way. 
Yeah, well, you know, uh, the, the good thing is, right, that even if Jim Curtin was to move on, which he's hinted at maybe he would even take a assistant U.S. coach's job for 2026, this is the last year of his contract, right? Yep. So I would think Ernst Tanner is going to find somebody that plays the same way or will be willing to play the same exact way, and he's going to fit them in exactly like he does the players and i think we probably wouldn't have a huge drop off you know some of these teams as soon as their manager is gone the the team suffers right there's only a few teams that are able to withhold uh, their positions but uh you know speaking of how these players are depth pieces we have a heavy season coming up here because we got champions league again we have a uh, leaks cup in the middle of the season. We have MLS. Uh, we have the open cup. What would you think would be the focus of this club and the reason they got the depth? Are they making a push for champions league or is it where we want to compete on multiple fronts or is it, we need to beef up again to try to get that MLS cup final hosted at our, at our home instead of having to travel. Like what, is the main goal that contributed to them going to get these pieces. Yeah, I think, I mean, the the, the goal is going to be, Jim Curtin said, we're going to go for every single competition that we're in, which, okay, that sounds nice and everything, but is it realistic? Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it is since they got the, the depth pieces. But I think number one goal right now at the start of the season is CCL. And I, I talked about this a little bit on my show too. And sorry for plugging that for like my third That's time. That's why you're but... here, man. Don't worry about <laughs> it. But the union have a chance to play 28 games in the first half of the season. That's more than half of a season of MLS just in the first half of the season. That is a ton of games with the U S open cup with champions league with the league. And so I do think that the union are going to suffer a little bit early on in the league because they're going to prioritize champions league. And when you look at the bracket, the union by far have the easiest side of the champions league bracket where I feel so bad for you, Logan. Tigris. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, they're on so fire right now in Liga MX. I was just talking <laughs> with a buddy today. I'm like, Pachuca Tigres. I mean, Poor Orlando, like <laughs> I'm already crying. They finally get in the uh, in the Concaf Champions League, and they get the toughest team you could possibly get. And uh, it, it would be a miracle if uh, Orlando City find a way to knock them off. If they do, I'll be so happy. But yeah, I mean, I, I think clearly on the left side of the bracket, it, it's Pachuca and Tigres as the favorites. Where on the right side, I mean, you you got to say the the Union LAFC will potentially be in the final will probably be in the final because there's nobody else on the right side of the bracket in my opinion that that's a real threat like tigris would be or, or pachuca would be and, and so I, I do think the union are going to prioritize champions league uh, i think they will go for a run this season in the u.s open cup because looking at the schedule i mean those 28 games the union are going to be having a lot of three or four day rest days. Uh, there's going to be multiple union games a week, which is great for union fans where they don't have to wait a week to watch the club two, three games a week for the Philadelphia union fans. I mean, that, that sounds fantastic for the players. Uh, maybe not so much, a lot of wear and tear on their bodies. And 
especially like we talked about earlier. I mean, it seems like the season just ended, and now here we are at the start of the 2023 MLS season. And it gets very interesting, too, at the end of May, where the Union are supposed to be (laughs) hosting Charlotte. But the same day, uh, the the leg one of the CCL finals that day. And so they're not going to change the CCL final. They're going to flex out the MLS game if the Union are still in it. And then you have four days after the first leg of the final of the Champions League, uh, you have a game against Montreal at home. And then the next day, uh, you have the the final, the, the second leg of the Champions League on June 4th. So I think there's going to be a lot of games getting flexed out. And then after that Champions League final, you have the U.S. Open Cup quarterfinals on June 6th. So a ton of games just stacked up one after the other. A lot of high contestant matches that I think the Union will prioritize the U.S. Open Cup and the Champions League Champions League, Champions League, like I said, over the league, where, yeah, in the second half of the season, the Union get a lot more rest days, that they can start to focus more on the league because Champions League will be up. Uh, the, the final of the U.S. Open Cup, I believe, is in September, September 27th. And so, yeah, I, I know we have Leagues Cup in July, June. I don't know. I, I don't Take a whole month off for it. Yeah, a whole month off. You, you play what? Uh, two group stage games, and then the top two teams advance or something. So hopefully the union get knocked out right away, so uh, the the players can rest after playing. Have you seen our group? Hopefully, Have you seen- uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're getting knocked out. Yeah, I know <laughs> playing the two weaker league MX yeah. teams, but maybe we can just play the 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 second team, play uh, Union two, and uh, let let the team recover from twenty eight games. Hopefully in the first half of the season. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, first half of the season you got to prioritize Champions League and U.S. Open Cup. Uh, overall, I think, I mean, they, they've got to win one of those trophies, the the Champions League or MLS Cup. If they win U.S. Open Cup, great. But I wouldn't call that a successful season if they just come away with the U.S. Open Cup. It's got to be one of these major trophies in Champions League or MLS Cup. If they won both, great. I, I don't think they will, but it's got to be one of those big trophies. All right, so looking at this team, Todd, um, and they, if everything goes well, they get uh, some kind of silverware. This is Jim Curtin's last season uh, with the Union, you think? Ooh, now that. Uh, <laughs> good question. Um, if they win silverware. Uh, I mean, if they don't win silverware, silverware, I think Jim Curtin would be back, but would he be tempted to leave uh, it's got to be the right job right and he's talked about it on multiple podcasts saying you know if i'm going to go to europe it has to be the right situation the right club and he's talked about okay yeah it sounds good that you're coaching in europe but a lot of these clubs set you up for failure mm-hmm. and do you really want to leave something that's so stable for failure he's talked about how in a lot of these countries the union setups much better than teams in denmark and in sweden and seeing the union invest yeah fans might be annoyed that they're not investing a ton of money into big name players but they're investing it into the academy into they're getting a new training pitch they're bringing the academy down to chester that they're building i think six brand new fields they're building a brand new stadium that the academy and union two i think can play on so i mean they're they're really starting to make it into a, a super complex down there in chester and 
they got to get that money from someplace and it comes from selling these players and everything. And uh, I, I think that's great for the union to invest the money that way. But if the union won a trophy, would Jim Curtin leave? It's got to be the right job, I'll say. If the right job comes along, I think he'll highly consider it. But here's something, too, I think fans don't think about. Jim Curtin has kids, and his kids aren't done with school yet. And so that that's so hard to tell your family, we're going to leave the only place that you know. We're going to leave your friends behind. You've got a good system in school and everything. We're going to uproot all that. We're going to go overseas or we're going to go here. I think that's asking a lot for a family. And I think that does play on Jim Curtin's mind. And, and so if the U.S. came calling and said, hey, we're going to make you the manager, I think Jim would take it. Uh, I mean, Jim said he'd be foolish enough not to be a part of the 2026 coaching staff, whether it be an assistant or or the manager. And so he said it on Marcus Beasley's podcast. I forget the name of it. Sorry for you guys listening. But he said that uh, if he was asked to be an assistant, he would leave his union job right now to go be an assistant because it's that important with us hosting the World Cup in 2026. So uh, I'll say if the right job comes along, Logan, that he will leave. But it's got to be the right job. Yeah, their podcast is called The Crack. Just looked it up. The Crack Podcast. Um, yeah, you know, too, with, I know everybody's trying to make a lot of the U S men's national team stuff with, um, with the assistant stuff, but really he could become an assistant for just the summer. Uh, well play is suspended for MLS and yeah. come right back to the league. Like, uh, the assistants don't have to be there as long as the coach does. We saw some assistants join the U S team, um, like Vlatko, Vlatko, who is the U.S. women's national team manager, was an assistant or something, part of the staff over in the men's World Cup for the U.S. in Qatar. So that's possible, too, that he just signs an extension with the union, which is what I assume he will do. Yeah, exactly. I think for him to walk out, he would have to win MLS Cup and the Champions League in a, like a double uh, to be like, you know what? I don't think I could ever top that. And then maybe then he would leave, but... Again, it would have to be the right situation for him because he is. This is like his hometown, right? He yeah. isn't. He's comfortable here. You brought up the good point with the with the kids too, because that's hard to uproot your whole family like that. And when you talk about teams setting you up for failure, we saw that with Jesse Marsh. Yep. You know they, they still don't have a plan in place. Nope. They let him spend all that money uh, in January, gave him two games with those players. And then fired him. And it's we're like two weeks later with no plan for hiring anyone, which is insane. Um, you think they'd bring him back? <laughs> Say, yeah, we messed up. No. We shouldn't have fired you. <laughs> I don't think so. I think at this point, they'll just, I don't know what they're going to do. Ride it they're out down. and go down. Yeah. And get Bielsa for a push up next year, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's what the fans want. Right now, I was on their I was on their subreddit, like seeing what they thought after they still lose without Marsh. Um, but kind of just to wrap it up here, I guess you mentioned successful season, Open Cup would not count, right? Is is your thought? For me, I think we need some sort of silverware again, and I'll I'll pretty much take anything. I think Open Cup means a lot to me because I was at those two finals we hosted and watched us lose both of those games. And then in 2018, when we had 
the where, where we faced Houston. I was watching it on TV. So I think I would I don't know if I would say a successful say I, I but I would love to win the Open Cup. But it's obviously the lower tier trophy at this point. So is a successful season, Todd, only winning one of those big trophies? Or is there another path here of, okay, we got to the final again and lost? Or like, what is the bottom line of this is how we're going to rank success for this team in 2023? Yep, you got to win Champions League or MLS Cup. Anything else is not going to cut it. I mean, you go out and you you, you make all the, the signings that you make. Uh, clearly, you're, you're going for trophies this season. You're going for the big trophies. And there's there's no more saying, okay, well, we, we, we won a playoff game. We won two playoff games. We made it to MLS Cup final. We made it to Champions League final. No, you've got to win one of those this season. Hello, Logan's cat. Um, you you got to go ahead and just do it. No more making excuses saying, okay, well, at least we made this, making progress one step at a time. You got to go ahead and win Champions League or MLS Cup. The U.S. Open Cup, I've talked to some fans about that too. And they said, you know, they don't care about winning MLS Cup because we've already been in three finals. And so it's like... They, they just, I think fans are just so hurt from watching the team lose in three finals in the Open Cup. They just, <laughs> they don't want to see it anymore. But somehow these fans wanted to see the Union play the A squad against Orlando City in the Open Cup. But you talk to some people and they're like, yeah, I don't care about making the US Open Cup roster anymore. Right. But it's like, you guys wanted them to play the A squad against Orlando City. But here you are saying, yeah, I don't care if we win US Open Cup. So which is it? Like, <laughs> you, you can't have both. And so, yeah, it would be cool to win US Open Cup or to win the supporter shield, but I don't care about that. You got to win MLS cup because you can't keep saying, well, at least we made it this far. Like I said, you've got to win one of those trophies. I get your point. Cause w- what we've seen is we've seen the incremental increases each year. Right. And at this point, there is no more of that. Like we got to the final. The only way to have an increase is to, to win MLS cup. Maybe I'm more forgiving on that, though. I like that you're putting the pressure on with that, honestly. And I'm sure that's what Curtin and the and the you know the t- the team, the club, probably agree with you. Like, hey, we're not going to be happy until we win that thing. But I would say the one that would get me like the least motivated would be the supporter shield because we already have one, and because it doesn't mean that much anymore yeah. <laughs> uh, with the unbalanced schedule. But yeah, I, I think at that point, if it was just a supporter shield for 2023, I'd be like, this wasn't successful. Uh, we, I mean, we already have that in our trophy cabinet. I'll take it. Of course I'll put it in the trophy cabinet. But at that point, it's like, damn, I can't believe we squandered another chance with this squad. Cause I mean, you've talked about how we've gone like four years, right? Four or five years with the same squad. They're not going to be here much longer. I exactly. Mean, pieces are going to, we're losing the time. Get sold. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're losing the squad. Bedoya is probably not going to last. Last much year of longer. his contract, yeah, yeah. So that's what we have to get. I'm curious to hear Logan's thoughts on what a successful season for the Union is. Make the play. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just make the playoffs, guys. Well, this maybe. Week, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> that is going to be the ask. I mean, yeah. if MLS goes to nine nine teams per playoff, I mean, per yeah. conference, and. If the union do suffer a lot of losses in the first half of the season, maybe it is. All right, let's just get into the playoffs and hope for the best. 
Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, you know, honestly, um, MLS Cup is ultimately what comes to mind. But I will say out of the years that I've covered the league, I think that the union, depending on, you know, how many players are left after the season because of Club World Cup when it falls – I mean, I really do think that the union with his, you know, coaching style, with the way that they play, um, with the depth that they have, I, I think would have made a better run at some of these teams. Um, I just think, you know, uh, Seattle, while they're in preseason form, they just couldn't get I, I think that that roster is just kind of depleted at this point where they're just older. and I don't know how good they'll be this year, where I do feel like the union uh, are a formidable opponent for a lot of the European teams, um, which is why I'm, I would always be interested to see them play against some of these teams, because I do think the union, the way that they coach Austin and LAFC are, are the three teams that really could do some damage against some of the European teams. But again, I think a successful season looks like the union taking home MLS cup or winning the champions league, just because I think they got to kind of decide. And I think they have decided that champions league is really important. So I think, like you said, Todd, they're the easier side of the bracket. I think it's a, very manageable thing to do. I think the I think the East, honestly, I, I mean, I'm looking at these clubs and Jordan, I've talked about this and we're kind of previewing some of these teams. It's unless weak. some of these, yeah, it, it's so weak. So I, I don't even know if you've really got to prioritize this season besides finishing one and two. And I think that's easy because mm-hmm. I think their heads above everybody else. They add a couple depth pieces. They've got two squads pretty much that they can play with, uh, with some of the young kids. So I think that's massive. My only problem with that too is that we saw how important the season was last year yeah. by us yeah, missing, missing out hosting the final by one point. You know, so like, That's true. so while I, I know Curtin said this in an interview, I forget where it was, right? That like he wished we knew the playoff format because he might be able to rest some players on some of those. He didn't, I don't think he used that term exactly, but kind of like he would prioritize CCL. And we, there's more forgiving room to make the playoffs with nine teams. But I don't want to end up in a situation again where we're like facing LAFC who also got first and we did not like have enough points to host a final again. Like that would be killer. Um, I mean, I have faith that we could probably eke one out, but it's like, I don't want to be like the, the bills or the revs here either, <laughs> you know, where we keep getting the finals and losing. So uh, you know, there's that that's the issue is that the only trophy we have right now is from one that you don't get into a final, you know, you get into uh, just from the supporter shield. So it doesn't hit the same, um, especially it was a COVID year. So I feel like some people will kind of, you know, uh, wait, hand wave that one, that one away. But Todd, I want to thank you for coming on here. Where can everyone find your because you plug the website, too, because you write stuff now, too. Where can I everyone do. find your work? Uh, yeah, so you can check out the podcast uh, by searching The Free Kick. Uh, check out the website, thefreekick.net. Uh, really trying to make it a goal this season to obviously still prioritize the podcast. But I, I do want to write more. Last year I did, towards the end of the season, uh, a lot of match reviews. I want to focus on match recaps. Obviously still I want to do match previews. And... Um, and just whatever else I can write. And so I plug this on my show. If people want to come and write, cover the Philadelphia Union, hit me up. Uh, you can hit me up on social media at It's a Todd's Life on Twitter, at, a to- at, a, at, a, at It's a Todd's Life underscore on Instagram. Just created that account. Or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Free Kick Pod. Um, yeah, I mean, 
that's pretty much it. So I, I thank you guys for both having me on the podcast once you, once again. And uh, like I said, happy not having any audio troubles this time. And uh, <laughs> we were able to get the show on the road and not have you guys waiting. And uh, you guys are doing fantastic work on the the podcast, just you know, talking about this league. I think that's so hard. And you're talking about every single team. Well, I'm just focusing on one team. And uh, I, I even said this too in an article I posted and said it on the podcast where my Western Conference knowledge is nowhere close as what it is of the Eastern Conference because I pay attention to the teams that yeah. the Union play. And we all know that they play primarily Eastern Conference teams. And so I, I don't know a whole lot about the Western Conference. I know about the Western Conference, but not as confident as I do the Eastern Conference. So to see you guys just spend time and talk about the whole of MLS and have a good understanding of MLS. I think that's a kudos to you guys and you guys are doing a fantastic job with your show. So I thank you guys for that. Thank you. That's why we have Todd on here. Give us the kudos. Yeah. (laughs) Our nicest guest. (laughs) Everybody else listening. Don't listen. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we always enjoy having you on Todd. Uh, You're a wealth of knowledge and uh, your coverage of the union. uh, I I go to it. I don't listen to Jordan. So that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) and that was todd lewis from the free kick thanks to todd for coming on so yeah i mean that was i mean i i thought i was gonna have to ask him if he had notes with all those dates of games on there because he was spouting those off on like even suspected quarterfinal dates for the u.s open cup but it looked like it was all coming from the top of his head so just like a wealth of knowledge there for the union's opening 28 possible games that could have been the start of the season. So thanks Todd for just being able to pull that information out from, from the top of your head. Um, But yeah, so we're going to go ahead and look at the Red Bulls. Let's do this team next. Last year, fourth in the East, they scored 50. They gave up 41 goals Uh, They were mostly consistent about beating teams they should beat. They didn't really give up a lot of cheap goals. And, uh, you know, Gerhard Struber did a much better job last year using the depth. You know, the Red Bull playing method can usually wipe you out. We see that with a lot of teams overseas, even uh, the Jesse March teams, the Leeds, the Salzburgs, the um, Leipzigs. But the best stretch of this team came in the late summer as they went four wins one draw one loss from august 17th to september 10th and they had huge massive wins against atlanta miami and new england that pretty much became six pointers because they were in hunt for some of those um some of those uh positions as well and this is a team that's consistently consistently in the playoffs, in the top half of the playoffs, they are a team that I think many people look up to. Lewis Morgan scored 14 goals. It was a huge, huge season for Lewis Morgan. Some people are giving him shouts for MVP. We'll talk about if we have them in that conversation in the midweek. But just a team that was kind of like in the whole season, and then randomly you're like, wow, they ended up fourth. That's pretty good. And if they were kind of like that last year, if they can bring another level, there's a possibility for them to finish above the top four. But Logan, give me your thoughts on Red Bulls from last season. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they've just got uh, really good performances from some of the players that I don't think they really thought were going to have those breakout years, kind of like a Lewis Morgan. Frankie Amaya was fantastic last year. Um, the guys that didn't really play well were Patrick Kalamala, who's now gone. Uh, they shipped him off, who he was a DP, and then Lukinas, who they brought in to kind of anchor then that midfield. And, and he also was not uh, to a DP level, uh, only one assist in, in the last 16 MLS games that they played. But I, I feel... You know, Klamala, you know, falling out at, at, at the, uh, I guess, right after May uh, is when he fell in the starting 11. And this team just lacked having that really, really consistent goal scorer aside from Lewis Morgan, right? We always talk about the, the fourth and fifth place teams. Jordan, they always seem to have like that person lying around the 15 to 16 goal mark and nobody to kind of uh, pair with them. Um, so I think that that's ultimately what the Red Bull run into. And I think with, you know, a, a couple additions here and there uh, in this offseason, they could have pushed themselves up to be, and you and I have joked about this, but they always seem to be a consistent number four or five. Uh, I think that's just the way that this team is kind of built. Um, and they, they played really well last year. They, they made the playoffs. Um, they got to the uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinals against Orlando, took the lead against Orlando. I thought that uh, they were, if Red Bull win that game, then they go on to win uh, U.S. Open. Uh, and I think, you know, our contenders to kind of win that trophy again, because I think that their style of play really does kind of uh, play well to the U.S. Open Cup. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think a good solid year for the Red Bull. And I think going forward, if they can kind of find that DP, you know, difference maker in that midfield or up in the front uh, of their attack, I think that this team becomes, you know, a two or three option easily and behind the union. So I think that's uh, kind of where we're headed into 2023. They lose Aaron Long. He goes to L.A., they lose Kamala, they lose Tom Edwards. Otherwise, not a lot of losses. Who do they add? A person that Todd said was the biggest loss of the union, Corey Burke, scored you know, seven goals, uh, having the 13th most minutes for the union. I don't think Burke will be the answer for Red Bulls, but he can certainly help them, I think, a, a, a bigger amount than what they've had before. They also add in Dante Van Zier. Uh, sorry, uh, had 70 goals and 26 assists in his 157 career appearances in the Belgian Pro League. Um, so there you go. He also played uh, it for Belgium in a uh, 2021 World Cup qualifying match against Wales. But just like two, you know, arrivals, they lose three, so they're pretty staying consistent. I think that Burke is probably a bigger help than Kamala, so this is probably an upgrade overall because they're also not adding just one center forward. You got Van Zier as well. So some question marks going on to 2023. Will this defense be as good without Aaron Long? To me, he looked like some of the weak, Weaker spots of the defense last year. He hasn't really been the same since his injury. So I actually don't think they're going to take a huge step backwards with Aaron Long gone. Is that your estimation as well? Yeah, I think Aaron Long has passed his window. Like he's looked awful in U.S. men's national team camps. Um, looks slow. Like you know how guys usually come back from those and they, they don't really lose much of a step because, I mean, knee issues have, uh, and it, or maybe it was Achilles with him, but it, it was. You know, I, I think, yeah, I think it was Achilles, but like, I, I just feel like he's a step slower than what he used to be. I think that defense really, you, you know, you rely on um, getting pressed uh, and pressing forward and, and getting into the, the attack's face. And 
relentless pressure, and I don't think Aaron Long can provide that anymore. But yeah, I, I think I think regression defensively is not going to happen. I think that they're a pretty solid defensive team and defensive unit. Um, and so I, th- I think going forward, I mean, this Red Bull pressing system ultimately is something that can uh, propel this team going forward in 2023. Yes. Uh, so Frankie Amaya, right, uh, made the switch from Cincy to Red Bull. Was that actually last year or was that the year before? Year before, I believe. Wow. Twenty twenty. Time flying. Yeah. But can he stay healthy and can he uh, kind of up his level some? I don't think he's really reached the heights that many have thought. Do you still think he can reach a height in MLS? Yeah, I think uh, he, he showed really good uh, potential last year towards the end of the year, starting to really kind of come into his own. I think that with another season with Gerhard, and honestly, I mean, Frankie Amaya's ability is going to depend on who they put in front of the ball. Uh, I, I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. If Benzier can be that, you know, dangerous attacking player or Corey Burke steps in and, and does score some goals, I, I think that ultimately Frankie's play increases. Um, I, I think Frankie's good going forward. I think he's good creating chances. You know, I think he's also good, pretty decent uh, defender. So I, I think that ultimately – yeah, I think that Frankie could uh, take the next step. And if he does take the next step, that's huge for this uh, midfield that I think is one of the strong suits for uh, Red Bulls. Okay, so the last few seasons, they've kind of finished in the fourth and fifth spot here. The goal is probably going to get over that. Um, so when we pivot to kind of like a successful season for the New York Red Bulls, this is some. I saw some people already putting out their predictions, by the way, and some of them have them as favorites to win a supporter shield or even just winning the East. I think a successful season would even just be jumping up to second. Like, let's get up to second. Let's push that union club. Let's be neck and neck with them. If we can get that first spot, great. If not, you know, we're second. Let's go into the playoffs. Let's get some more momentum. And maybe, maybe, I'm not saying this is what they need for a successful season, but what they could just be thinking, let's keep climbing, get second, and maybe we can get into an MLS Cup final and maybe bring home some silverware that they haven't done yet. You know, they've won a supporter shield that added to it, but for a while, Logan, this was a club that people clowned on for never winning a trophy as an original MLS club. They have some supporter shields. That's fine. But looking at the big one, the one that their rival beat them to two years ago now, NYCFC beating um, beating Portland for a MLS Cup win for a club that's pretty brand new compared to the Red Bulls, that's what I think their aspiration should be. But I think just to like look back at a success – I'd say top two in the East for this team should be a reasonable benchmark for them to try to reach because we've talked about how weak the East is. You know, I think they've added some solid pieces to kind of help push them up maybe even some more. But um, 
that that's kind of my thoughts. They have to finish top two for it to be a, a success. Or if they finish any lower than that, they have to make a deeper run than they've been doing. Yeah, I think that's perfectly summed up. I would say two in the East. If it's not two in the East, definitely a run into the conference finals. I, I'd go that far to say that they should be up there with the with the Union. Like this should be the team that we see come what probably November um, when. Uh, depending on, I don't even know what the playoffs look like now. Um, but if, let's assume that it's November. Uh, it might be December with how big these playoffs are now. But it, it I, I think with the Red Bull, Jordan, I think what you said is is absolutely correct. They've got one of the best midfields in the MLS. I think they've added a, a couple of attacking pieces that will be nice to add in a couple goals. I think they get up towards, you know, the 50 to 60 goal range again. And, and I think that, you know, that could push this team and propel this team to become one of the top teams in this league. So, yeah, I, I am really excited about the Red Bull this year. I think that they've got um, some great players uh, coming in. I think they've got some great young players uh, in amongst their ranks. Uh, I'm really excited about Tolkien. Nealis didn't play as well as he had the year before, but he played pretty well last year too. So, yeah. And then they got a showstopper in Cornell, um, who's their goalkeeper. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in love with this team. I think it's a great team. So I'm excited to see them. I get to see them the first game, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't go good for that, right? right? Yeah, so let's, hope you're open. let's hope it's the only loss that they have. <laughs> so yeah. All right, so let's move on to their crosstown rivals, cross state rivals, maybe because Red Bulls play in New Jersey. But we have NYCFC, who really don't have a home in New York either. Reflect uh, reflecting on last year, they finished third in the East. So they actually finished higher than the Red Bulls, who were high on, but. The big thing is Castellanos leaves midseason. They kind of struggle from there. They just traded Herbert right to um, to Seattle. Sean Johnson is now a Toronto player. They also lose Maxi Morales. They lose Alexander Kalins, Anton Tinnerholm, Nicholas Acevedo, Santi Rodriguez. This is huge. Who do they add? Well, they add Matt Freeze from. Uh, from Philadelphia Union. They also add Pellegrini, Matthias Pellegrini, Tony Alfaro. But when we look at how successful they were last season, which was back to an Eastern Conference championship against the Union in a replay from 2021, this isn't, this isn't the same team. So while last year was a success, I think an undoubted success, you win MLS Cup in 2021, you get back to the Eastern Conference Final even after losing your star striker. But now you've lost everyone else. So I think it's hard to kind of reflect on last year for this club because they're not the same players going into this season at all. Yeah, I, I made a mistake actually that well, I don't I don't know if it's a mistake yet because nobody knows or seems to know. Santi Rodriguez, who's a starlet child. Um, who was their midfielder? I think he was on loan, right? Do yeah, you he was know on if he's loan. Coming back or they don't know if he's coming back. Like, there's reports, and Bokert retweeted a guy that is pretty reputable as far as South American sources or Mexican. I can't, I can't remember which league he'd ended up in. I think it's Mexico, maybe. But the the source is very reputable in um, reporting those kind of transfers and said that that the that it was not official, but NYCFC had finalized a deal to kind of bring him back. But there's been no announcement. There's been no connection since then. So. It's very confusing. Um, 
he's crucial to any kind of success that they're going to have this year. That being said, while he is a, a special talent, Jordan, like he's, there's so many pieces that are that are missing. Keaton Parks is back from his season-ending injury last year. How's that going to go? Um, they're losing arguably one of the best MLS keepers to ever play in Sean Johnson. So, like, what, what, where do they go from here, right? They're going to rely on a lot of guys that have not really proven that they can kind of bang it out in this league, right? You've got guys that are kind of sitting on the, the cusp and maybe some young players like Gabriel Pereira, who's a really good talent, who's on the wing and maybe he's up as a nine. Like they don't really have a nine per se. Like Magno's going to play up there. I think Pereira can play up there at some point, but it, it just seems like this club is in um, some major rebuilding. I wouldn't call it retooling. Usually NYCFC, get, correct me if I'm wrong, is a retool kind of club. This yeah, is usually. a rebuild. Yeah. So I – I'm not high on uh, I'm not high on NYCFC this year just because of how a much lot of people are. not I've seen a lot of previews with them being 12th and 13th in the East, which, yeah. is, which is saying yeah. something. Uh, you'll find out our answers on that midweek, but it's a lot of losses and it's not a lot of big signings coming in. Um, so it's really hard to see say i i think the the toughest thing is there's not much to preview with this team because there's just so many it's such a downer to, to preview this club and I, we don't know if any of this has to do with i doubt it but you know just the manchester city city football group situation going on um with their investigation That's has true. this put a huge that. detriment on the team yeah. like not like the players, but like, is it why they haven't brought in a lot? Is it why they felt like they needed to sell? I don't understand. And this is why it sucks to have both New York teams just be kind of like these feeder clubs is because neither of them have taken it as seriously. Yes, NYCFC has won an MLS Cup just two years ago now, but it's also like, okay, but you also can't just field this team. Like, you, 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 you know, like, they're building a stadium in Queens for you now. Maybe that's when they'll put in all of the chips at some point again. Hopefully they'll have a bigger banner too for their, for their MLS cup, but that's kind of the unfortunate side of this. So for a successful season for this team, the answer should be being a top four team again and getting to an Eastern conference championship again. But with the way that this squad is, a successful season for this team is like, don't finish last in the East. And that's not good enough for a team of this caliber, a team that's usually constantly competitive. So if there's nine playoff teams, I'm going to say a successful season is finish ninth, get into the playoffs. You lost so much. You can still turn it around maybe. Maybe they'll make a big summer splash. I don't know. That's why it's so hard to kind of, do predictions for MLS too. Cause you don't know who's going to add in like the summer window. We know LA galaxy can't, but you know, when you have, when you have these other clubs that might be able to entice players to come over, I mean, Gareth Bale came over in summer and that was a huge signing that we could not predict going into the season. So that's why I think a lot of times you'll see people get this stuff really, really wrong. Cause it's really hard to predict who's going to spend in the summer. So I'd say as it stands now with this team, finish ninth, get in the playoffs if there's nine playoff teams. And that's not what I should be saying. That is a disgrace for New York. Yeah, like I, I 
had all this stuff not happened, had all those turnover not happened, and then they don't go and replace this turnover. Like I, like you said, it would be oh well, fourth and above, like they always are, because that's that's who City Football Group should be. But man, that, the fact that we're even talking about NYCFC and some of these teams, I think Jordan, that we're going to get into that are just so low, and it's just like what's going on, like what what's happening. And I I will say with some of the teams like Atlanta, like there's stuff to look forward to, right? Like, I think that that's something that we can say, like, oh, yeah, Atlanta's looking up. But, like, D.C. United Atlanta too, in Chicago. Though, like, with Atlanta, we're looking at Garth Lagerway, like, okay, yeah. building something, right? With yeah. this, it's like we don't know what they're building even. Yeah, no, they're not even building a stadium, so <laughs> let alone a team. They are. I mean, they, oh, are, they are eventually. They say they are. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll believe it when it's up. Um, but no, I, I think Jordan, like you said, I think pushing for the ninth playoff spot is yikes, but that's that's where we are, I think, with NYCFC. I think they got two special players if Santi does come back, but that being said, man, a lot of unproven's and uh, lots of question marks uh, in New York City this year, uh, and it's not with the Red Bull. All right, let's move on to the last team. Another team that we're probably not too high on is a team that may not finish high on the table. It's the New England Revolution. Head coach is Bruce Arena. Last year, they finished 10th in the East. They scored 47 but gave up 50. Carlos Heal was healthy and only had seven goals and nine assists, which is not the level I think we should usually be seeing him at. Gustavo Bo had eight goals. He led the team. Again, this is when we're talking about teams leaders scoring goals and they only have eight that's an issue when you're looking at okay you know like nashville's leading was 23 right now but then everyone after that was five but you you know even then eight is only three above five who was the second most on nashville like that's worrying when you're looking at the revolution um and really they've kind of been in a little bit of a Free, I wouldn't say free fall, but a little bit of a decline since since they uh, had that um, supporter shield, right? But you know, Bruce Arena's back. How big of of that is that? Uh, how big of a deal is that? I, we don't really know at this point on how long he's going to continue staying. He kind of seemed down on it last year at times when people would ask him. So. I guess kind of surprising he came back. They had a two-month spiral at the end of the season that really just sank them um, from even getting a chance of a playoff spot. They lost Sebastian Legette now, A.J. De La Garza, John Bell, Wilfred um, Kaptoum. They bring in Dave Romney, Latif Blessing, Christian McCoon, Bobby Wood. Nacho Heel, um, who had four matches with them last year, but now is official with them. I like a lot of these signings, obviously. I like the Latif Blessing signing. I like the Bobby Wood, even though he was injured for a good chunk of last year. Um, you know, bringing in Romney and McCoon, I think those are great signings, but it's how much can this kind of catapult them further than 10th in the table. Um, your thoughts, Logan, on just last year and then some of these departures and arrivals. I mean, you lose Matt Turner, right? Adam Buxa, Tejon Buchanan combined for $54 million into the pockets of the Revs ownership, Robert Kraft, who is one of the richest mans, if not one richest man, 
richest men in this league. Um, Jordan, probably one of the richest owners besides Arthur Blank, I want to say. And and uh, they don't really spend it. Like, they are good with flipping the profit, but it never seems to go the other direction for the Revs, and it really hasn't. Like, honestly, Dave Romney is the one that excites me the most. I don't think Latif uh, – Latif's good, but I don't think he's, like, a game changer. I don't think he's somebody that's really going to change anything. Bobby Wood was hurt all last season, so I don't think that changes much either. That's like bringing T.L. Burnberry back, Bunbury. Um and so that's kind of just like a non-factor to me. Nacho Heel, like he's just Carlos's brother. Um, so sorry, but it's true. Um, <laughs> Jordan, they 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 they've wasted Carlos Heel, if that makes sense. It's weird to say that, but they've wasted one of the best players to play in MLS over the last couple of years. And by what I mean by that is their supporter shield and very short MLS Cup run that they had. Um, when they did win Supporter Shield back in 2021, that was very short-lived. And then, like you said, from from then on out, it's been it's been just like, well, we've got these really good players that we need to sell. And then what, right? Dewan Jones, he's not going to be around any much. I think in the summer, there's a good chance we're seeing another revolution uh, exodus because I think that some of these players, you look at Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones had one of the best camps in February that we've seen. Um, uh, with you know some of these younger players and so i think dewan jones is easily going to be sold there's linkage to other players or places i think brandon by has a good chance to also go bye-bye um and then you look at petrovic who was linked to manchester united still still is linked to manchester united there's no chance he's here in the summer i don't think so they're you, gonna you lose think that song. quick you think that's yeah. quick yep i really do wow yep. i think they'll be able to hold on to him to, for the season i okay. i think next summer he's gone but Okay. Um, I don't know. I just, that was not- I look at the, the Dewan Jones. I really do feel like in the summer, he's going to be looking to move. And so it just feels like it's been this two year exodus of players, but nobody brought in, right. Nobody brought in to really kind of cushion that blow. I, it just doesn't, I mean, we just named them all, but yeah, but like not much. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, like I said, Latif blessing. Eh, he's kind of a non-factor for me. He's okay. Like he's decent. He's a pretty good midfielder. Oh, I think that's a great signing. I, I do. I, I just – I look at this team. Their defense is going to be good because of their goalkeeper too, but their attack is going to lack. And I just don't see where this team's gotten any better. They do have Carlos Hill. People are going, well, Carlos Hill's an MVP. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's there anymore, but it just – I don't know. There's a lot riding on Carlos He won Hill. MVP in the season. I didn't think he – I thought Mukhtar should have got it. That's true. We both did. So, it, yeah, I'm not high on the revs. And I know people are going to come after me for that one when we repost this one because they're like, well, clearly they have us ranked. I'm like, but you're, you're the selling club. You've become you've become the selling club like Dallas where you just get rid of players now. Like, it, it just becomes like that. So, I think this will be the make or break year for Bruce Arena. This I has got to be it. If, if they finish 10th or lower or even – I would say specifically if they missed the playoffs like they did last year, I think Bruce is gone. Uh, they'll be nice about it. They'll probably say they parted ways and that he is retiring or maybe he's, you know, moving on or whatever. But He's going to go to Tampa and coach the Rowdies. Yeah. I, but I do think this league might have passed Bruce Arena by. He's been a fixture of it since its inception. He's won so many MLS Cups. I think it might be time for him to hang it up. Um, I do believe the Revs are cursed at this point. 
because um, they bring in one of the best managers in the history and they still can't get an MLS Cup. So that sucks for them. But I, I think this is a make or break year for it. So if I'm going to say what is a successful season for this revolution team, I would say you can't miss the playoffs again. I say you make the playoffs and I would like you to make it not be the last team into the playoffs is probably where I would put that for this squad. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they're in the same. They and New York City are in the same boat. Like NYCFC and I think the Revs are in the same boat. Like they've got some decent pieces on the team, like a Carlos Heel. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, yeah, I just don't – I'm just sitting here thinking about the club, and I, I just don't think that they're that great. I, I just – like you said, I think Bruce's time is up, and I think that's it. I know the Revolution Recap guys listen to this, so direct all your hate towards Logan. Logan, I'm a little <laughs> higher on you than he is. I can honestly tell you, I'm looking at Jordan season previews, and we're about the same. So no, he's not. <laughs> Don't let him say that. Don't let him say that. In this episode, I'm a little higher on them than he is. All right. I hate this team. No, I'm I just had to, I, I I just had to team, check. But... I just had to check to see my predictions because I was like, wait, did I actually put them? where i'm saying right now and no i didn't um so that you know stay tuned for mid midweek when we give out our our things our our, uh, our laminators i mean our yeah yeah our, yeah laminate these all all fans of all teams you're gonna want to laminate whatever we say and throw it back at us Logan, I saw you were already feeling the heat today because you put out a tweet saying, like, I don't know why people get so worked up about this. Like, you were preempting. I yeah, I am preempting. <laughs> you were preempting yeah. this. I, okay, here's my thing, okay? If you're listening to this and you're going to yell at us, like the, the Revs people, I know they are, because we've got quite a big following of Revs fans. Um, we have a lot of Revs fans. We have a lot of Cincy fans. We have, I'm trying to think of any other club that, Austin. We have a lot of Austin. Austin, we're high on. The other one's been Cincy. I think you'll be happy with us. Revs fans, if you have any complaints, um, just write down your predictions of what you think this year is going to be. And then when you decide to yell at us next year, when we do this again, go, oh yeah, remember my predictions last year when they weren't great? This league is impossible to predict. Um, I think you can pick out the cream of the crop. That's easy. That's always easy. But this league is absolutely bonkers. Um, And this Eastern Conference... When we do the Eastern Conference, Jordan, it'll be a whole lot of like, I have no idea. We're just guessing at this point because I don't know half of these teams anymore. So, Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be the fun part, right? Is this this league is very hard to predict because like I mentioned earlier, you can bring in people in the summer, which we don't really get with like baseball and stuff like you get trade windows but you can't just like go over and be like oh yeah gareth bale we'll, we'll bring him over like you can't do that in baseball you can't do that in football or basketball so it's a little harder to make these predictions when the whole world is your oyster to go out and grab players from any league that you can and bring them in unless you're the galaxy and that is you know something that they're going to have to struggle with in the summer and then also another part that comes out on it is just the parody of it and how soccer, I think, is a much closer sport than most games because it is so hard to score, you know, unless if you're the Union facing D.C. United last year. <laughs> but 
but you know that's kind of the stuff that's so unpredictable of figuring out okay where am i putting them bringing in players you don't know how they're going to fit you don't know how they're going to translate to this league so it's it's such a tough thing to do compared to like other leagues other sports in this country i mean logan and i did a brief baseball podcast last year and i think our predictions were pretty close we were pretty darn close with a lot of those because it's so much easier to predict stuff like that than than this league um but yeah so don't hate us anything else before we get out of here uh if you're a team out there and you're listening to this and you're the fan base it could be worse you could be a chicago fire fan Logan just wanted to throw some unnecessary shade at, at Chicago. If you go back to listen to our last like five episodes, we all have thrown punches at the <laughs> yeah. Chicago Fire. So. Yeah, we brought the heat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we are uh, going to be doing our mid, or not our mid-season, our uh, preseason prediction show next episode. We're going to pick Coach of the Year, MVP, Supporter Shield winner, Open Cup winner, MLS Cup winner, and then up the full table of both the East and the West. We're going to lay it all on the line here. I know some people only choose like their winner of the Cup and the winner of the Supporter Show. We're doing the full table, and we're going to give it our best shot. We're going to hopefully nail it. We did not nail it last season. Um, we're one of the ones that Austin probably laminated last year. And we're probably going to have Adrian Heath after us for where we put Minnesota. So <laughs> keep an eye out for that in the mid in the midweek. But thank you all for watching. If you want to give us a, a follow or want to reach out to us, give us your predictions or yell at us about any of these, it's at Stateside Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Email us, statesideshow at gmail.com. And we will catch you Wednesday. Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.